Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? It's good to see you. Hey, um, welcome to our back to school bash. Now, we're doing our adult thing in here. However, we got a bunch of kids over in different parts of the church that are having a, just a, a back to school party. Also, why are these seats reserved? Why are these seats reserved? Because nobody's there. Okay. <laughs> I saw some of you guys sitting in these. I'm like, man, that's kind of nice. We reserved you guys some seats, but uh, uh, okay, I, I didn't know exactly what was going on. But anyway, we're about to bring them out at the end of this service. I got to get through this message kind of quickly because we're going to bring them out. We're going to pray over every student. We're going to pray over um, uh, the teachers and the administration because, man, can you believe that it's back to school time? The summer goes by fast, so uh, we want to make sure that we bless them for this upcoming year. Let's, so let's get into this. We're t- uh, from the book of James. James had a half, or Jesus had a half brother. His, his uh, name was James, and James has his own book in the Bible. And what's cool is as we read through this, we've got this week and we've got one more week. Wait a minute. Is today the 13th? Next week, we have Elijah Tyndall coming. And I don't know if you remember who Elijah is, but he is a, a Christian comedian. He's from Los Angeles. And uh, I still get him down here because he owes me one, and I remind him of that. But he comes down here, and uh, I know him. I knew him before he was famous. But anyway, he uh, um, uh, he's going to come down, and he ministers and he preaches the gospel. But he is a he uses a lot of comedy, and uh, God really works through his life. So make sure that you're here. And here's another thing: we we like to talk about how God has called us to reach our one. God is called, we believe that we're effective, you know, in, in, as far as reaching the entire world. Our mission statement is this, um, God, is, God has led us to, uh, or to reach people to love God, connect with others, and reach the world. But reaching the world, we believe, happens through one person at a time. So this is a great opportunity for you to bring your one. Think, I want you to think about uh, your your non-believing friend that really doesn't have a lot to do with church, it doesn't like church, doesn't like really what it's about, doesn't relate to their lives, this is the guy that you need to bring them to, okay? This is the guy that, this is the guy that can really minister to people that are kind of on the fringe of, I don't know if church is for me. So be thinking about that. And bring yourself. Bring yourself. You're going to, about, we get to get him about once every two years. So make sure that you come. Do I have the date right, the 20th? Okay, so uh, you think I would know things before I get up here and start talking, right? It surprised you, the things I get up here and say that I really don't know. You know? Uh, but no, make sure you're here next week. So what was I saying before that? I was talking about what? I was talking about James because that's the message that we're preaching about today. So uh, James is an incredible book because as we read through it, we've got this message and we've got one more message after the 20th, and it, it, it relates to us today because we find out that they were dealing with the same kinds of personal issues, and they were dealing with the same kinds of issues in a church that we deal with today. So everybody stand back to your feet one more time as we declare this word of God. Say this with me. This Bible is God's word to me. Let's back up and say it again together, okay? Ready? This Bible is God's word to me. I will read it, I will believe it, and I will live it. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and thank you for the opportunity that we have to learn of your word. And from the book of James, speak to us today by your spirit, through your word, change us, 
confront us, and lead us to be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, look at your neighbor before you're seated and say, tell them they look fantastic. Some of you had a lot more to say than that, didn't you? <laughs> in James, the second chapter, in the 17th verse, it gives the essence of the entire book of James. It says this. It says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds or works. It is dead and useless. He's talking about our faith. As an apostle of Christ, James was saying, we are people of faith. We talk about our faith. We are people of faith, but real faith produces something. Faith isn't just about believing. In fact, believing is incomplete when it comes to faith. He's saying if you really believe, if you really have faith, it should be fleshed out in your lifestyle every single day. Are you with me? That's what he was saying. He's, it, real faith produces a lifestyle of works and faith. In James the 4, that's where we are today. He's actually addressing some conflict within the church. How many of you know that, that, that churches sometimes have conflict? If you've, been, if you've been at church for very long, you probably, if you grew up in church the way I did, I've been a part of church since I can remember. I don't remember ever not being in church, okay? So you will see some problems in people, or you might see some problems at church. But listen to what he says here in James 4, the first verse. He says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Look at this. He's saying what happens among you comes from what is happening on the inside of you. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. Now, obviously, we're not committing murder. This may not, you know, but he's, he's talking about from a spiritual sense. He says you're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong and you want only what will give you pleasure. So he's talking about, he's talking to people within the church that are having disagreements. He, they're, they're behaving in an incorrect way. Uh, and basically what he's saying is you're acting like people who don't even go to church. You're acting like non-believers. Your actions are are, are, are summing up like people who don't even believe in God. So here's what he does. Number one, here's the, here's the first thing he does. James confronts the behavior. James confronts. James is an elder. James is an apostle. So he has this authority. So as he's seen what is going on within the church, and, 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 and hang on because we're going to get somewhere with this. He's, he confronts the behavior. At Faith Co., we've always been a peaceful church as long as I can remember. We've never had any major, major problems. But I grew up in a church, man, when, when it seems like, like every other week my, my father or, or the board was having to deal with, with certain issues. But it seems like every decade or so the, I see where the enemy plants a problem within this body. or he, It's almost like he plants a person. And for, for no reason, uh, he, he plants people that, that cause problems. And, and we see that that it's kind of like it, it's kind of comforting to know that these are the same, same kinds of things that happen, that sometimes people can act wrong. But what James does is he confronts the issue. He doesn't go easy. He addresses the church who have worldly motives and worldly lifestyles and worldly desires and act like they're not even Christians. He confronts it. Let me tell you something. 
Do you let something go on in your house? Do you, would you allow as a father or a mother, would you allow an incorrect or a wrong behavior to go on in your house or would you confront it? You'd confront it, wouldn't you? Why? Because if you let something go on, if you just say, well, you know what, I just want to keep peace, or I just, uh, you know, we'll downplay that problem, or, you know, it's a problem, or, you know, that, that kid mouthed off to me, or, you know what, they don't, they don't do what I ask them to do. What we're going to do is we're just, you know, we just main thing is we want peace. If you let that go on and on and on, it grows and it gets worse and it causes a greater problem in the future. Are you with me? So that's what, in, in, in the Lord's house, James was saying, I'm going to confront this. I'm not going to go easy on it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let destructive behavior happen. And at the cost of rocking the boat, I'm going to take care of this. Within the church, James was calling out sinful behavior. And he was naming it. He's talking about jealousy, adultery, idolatry, envy, and bad motives. He says, you're acting like the world and you're called to be different. God has called you. This is not who you were called to be. He's saying because of your love of the things of the world, because of the things that you want and the pleasures of this life. He actually says, you're, you're becoming a friend of the world. And he was comparing their unfaithfulness to adultery. So James, as an overseer, He's seen the major issues of the church acting like the world. And I, I was looking at this, and I thought about what is God, God has called me to do as a pastor. As a pastor, I'm called to be a shepherd. And you think, you think that I would, the more, that, the more and the older I get, the more, okay, I'm leading this church. I'm the head of this church. I'm really not. I'm a servant of the house. It's his church, and my calling is to do what he's asked me to do, do to do what I believe that he is calling us to do. So I'm a shepherd that guides his people, but I'm also a guardian. And God gives, gives pastors a spiritual insight to recognize things and behaviors within the church that we have, to, we have to address. You realize what happens to church people when you don't call out destructive behavior. When the church begins to act like the world, James saw this firsthand, so he wasn't going to play around with it. He calls it out for what it is. He confronts it. He confronts the sin. He confronts the unfaithfulness. He confronts the sinful behavior. He encourages and he exhorts, and we'll talk about that later. But the first thing that he does is he confronts it. The second thing that he does is James corrects the behavior. He corrects it. The fourth verse says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. He says, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within you should be faithful to him, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So he doesn't confront with the confrontation. And just for a second, I want to do a side note. I want you to think about how sometimes we have to confront the people in our lives, whether it be our family or it be the friends in our lives. Sometimes love confronts. Love corrects. Right? But notice that he doesn't stop with the confrontation. He corrects. If you just confront, if you only confront and never follow up with the other two things that I'm talking about, with the correction, with the instruction, with the encouragement, if you don't follow up with that, you just make people mad. If you just confront people all the time, stop doing that. Why are you doing that? Look at what you're doing. 
when you confront people, you're calling them out for what they're doing wrong. That's confrontation. That's not easy. You're doing it from a place of love. But if you only confront, all you do is make people angry. And eventually, what you do is you run people off. So we don't just confront. He doesn't just confront. He doesn't stop with the confrontation. He follows up with correction. James corrects the destructive behavior. Hey, this is not who you are. This is not what God has called you. This is not what we set out to do. And he's saying this, you have the scripture, which is the word of God. You have the spirit, which is the power of God. You're not on your own. Listen, this is, you are called of God. You are a child of God. You have the scripture, the word of God, and you have the spirit, which is the power of God. Number three, James instructs. So, so, so he confronts, he corrects, and the third thing he does is he instructs with the word of God. After confronting, after calling them out and correcting, he begins to give instruction. Here's where you're off course. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to stop doing, and here's what you need to start doing. James 4 and 7 says, so humble yourself. Now he begins to talk about things to do to correct the behavior. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God. He will come close to you. Wash your hands. You sinners, purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I don't have time to break all of these down, but this is very, very powerful. He says, let there be tears. In other words, you need repentance in your life. Tenth verse says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Don't speak evil against each other. Don't criticize. Don't judge each other. Uh, he says, your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. Let me real quickly go through this. Humble yourselves. In other words, pride is the root of sin. He says, resist, resist the devil. Pause before you act. Don't act out of impulse. Clean, your clean hands means pure heart. It, resu- it is a result of a pure life. Commit to God. Let go of the world. Stop speaking evil. Chapter 3 talks about controlling our tongue. Don't criticize and judge in a harmful way. James says this because of your calling, because of your godly purpose. Don't lose pers- perspective and get caught up in acting like the world, because God has called you to something else. So James confronts, he corrects, and here's what I want to talk about for the rest of my time. James confronts, he corrects, he instructs, and he challenges us to change. Do you know what that's called? That's called preaching the gospel. As I was looking at where I wanted to go with this, and this is, you know, as I say before, we've got a peaceful church. I don't necessarily have to get up and correct all the time and confront all the word of God is, but but I got to thinking about what I wanted to say to the church through this. What what is this kind of preaching? It's called preaching the whole gospel. The gospel, the Greek word for that, is good news or the good news of the truth because it saves people from sin with its convicting power. It's Bible-based, and it's by the power of God. Listen to this, Hebrews 4 and 12. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. I want you to know that the word of God, when you read it, yes, it's just paper and ink, but the words are powerful. It's not just, it's not just ink and paper when we read it, when we speak it. It is actually powerful. The word of God is powerful, alive and powerful. It is sharper 
than the sharpest two-edged sword, and it cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So the Word of God is how we judge our lives and how we, and is the standard by which we live our lives. The truth of God's Word, it's raw, it's harsh, it's cutting, it sets people free by exposing our lies. The Word judges our lives because it causes conviction. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone to church and felt judged? Have you ever? Can I, can I tell you something? You should. Not by me. Not by the person sitting next to you. You shouldn't feel judged by people. You should feel judged by the Word of God. If you go to church and you feel judged by people, you might find a different church. Because, you know, if, if, if you feel judged by people, it's going to be uncomfortable. And what happens is people are judging you and doing the same kinds of things or got their own sin that they're hiding, okay? You should feel judged by the Word of God. When I read the Word of God, when I read certain contexts, because this is how I feel, I read the Word. Have you ever read something in the Bible and you wish, man, I just wish that wasn't in the Bible? <laughs> I, I just, as a pastor, there are parts of the Bible where I'm like, I wish that wasn't there. There are parts of the Bible that I don't want to read from here. Because it's just harsh. Because it makes me feel judged. You know what that's called? Conviction. Conviction. You need to be comfortable with being convicted. Think about that. Think about that word within the context of our law. Feeling conviction. Feeling convicted. You're guilty of something. Therefore, you feel convicted. You need to be comfortable with being convicted. You need to be comfortable with feeling, man, this is a little bit rough. But don't, 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 don't take that out on me. I'm just the messenger, right? I don't want you to feel, man, I'm late because I don't like what he's saying. PT is a jerk. I ain't never going back there again. You shouldn't feel that for me because I don't judge you. I got my own issues. I got my own stuff I'm dealing with, okay? We're, we're in this together. We're all in this together trying to get better. But don't reject the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit convict you and make you feel how you're feeling right now or however you feel when the Word of God goes forth and it is affecting what you're dealing with or what you did last week. Just let that, let that feeling happen. It's called conviction. And it leads actually to a feeling of being condemned. But the, as you move beyond that, the idea is that it brings you to repentance. What makes you feel condemned is not the Holy Spirit. It's, it's your conscience because of the sin that we do. We, sin is what makes us feel condemned. The Holy Spirit is, is, is drawing you to change based on the Word of God. So the Word of God shows us and exposes all the lies and, and, wants to break, and it shows us how we can break free. The Holy Spirit draws you and that's why you feel like I, 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 need, to, I need to raise my hand or I need to do something. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to do something. That's the Holy Spirit. I need to feel that every now and then. If you don't feel that every now and again, every now and then, you're rejecting the conviction of the Lord. Here's what Romans says, and I paraphrase. It says, once, once you ask for forgiveness, once you accept Christ, there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And we are free from the curse of the law of sin. 
We are free from that when we do not resist. Don't resist. Here's the point. The point is to get us free from a worldly lifestyle. The point is to, to show us in the areas in our lives, to shine a light on the places in our lives that need to be changed so we will come out, so we will change, so we, so we will repent of the things that go on in our lives. Here's the deal. Don't resist what God wants to do in your life because he challenges your life. Don't resist the word of God. Don't resist the Holy Spirit, how he wants to deal with you. Here's the deal. We all have struggles. We all have issues. I've heard people say, I'm just not ready to go to church. I really haven't got my life right. I haven't worked out my struggles. I'm not ready to go to church. Listen to me. Church is not a place where people go that have their issues already worked out. Church is a place. Church is a family where people bring their issues so we can work them out together. Don't let anybody let you believe. Don't let anybody let you think that they got everything worked out. Some people are, are, are just overcoming better than others, but everybody's working on something. But we're not, we're not all showing up here, and we're doing great, and we got all of our stuff worked out. It's not like that. This is where we go every single week because we need to work out our stuff on a weekly basis. Are you hearing me? That's what this is about. And we do that through the uncompromising preaching of the word, the truth of God that leads to repentance. To re- and that repentance leads to forgiveness. And that forgiveness leads to healing. And that healing le- leads to restoration. And the restoration leads to spiritual growth. Right? And it's a complete cycle. And if you fall down, if you just blow it the next week, well, we come back and we repent. And we get forgiveness. And we get healing. And we get restoration. And we get spiritual growth. And then, we, and then after a few weeks that we blow it, well, we come back and we get repentance. And we get forgiveness. And then we get healing spiritual growth and we keep on and we keep on until we grow until we get beyond this amen? amen that's what we're here that's what it's all about and i believe that there was a shortage of this kind of preaching and hearing the whole gospel we do hear that god loves everyone so much that he sent his world he sent his son into the world to save the world can i ask you something he sent his son into the world to save us from what well that isn't the answer i was looking for but thank you for that. Why did he send his son to, to save us from what? To save us from the day that he's going to judge the world by his son. The same Jesus that died to save you from your sins is going to stand in front of you one of these days and judge your life. We don't hear that. We hear about the love of the Lord. We hear about, hey, just don't beat yourself up about your, your, your sinful lifestyle. And that, I get it. I get it. We want to encourage everybody to grow. We don't just want to beat everybody over the head for all of their sin. That's not what we're trying to do. But if we're not careful, we focus on just the love of Christ. And I want to tell you something. That is an incomplete gospel. We don't hear much of this preaching today, or I don't. I do hear lots of messages about God's love and God's purpose and how to deal in this life and how to, how to deal with stress and how to deal with anxiety and how to deal with mean people and how to have a better marriage. And I get it. We preach those kinds of messages. But that's not all the gospel. That's an incomplete gospel. That's a half gospel. We need to hear the full gospel. Amen? Amen. So James saw this firsthand. When the whole gospel is not preached, people lose perspective. The truth gets compromised, and people start acting like the world. Why? Because we're people. If I don't hear the gospel, if I'm not convicted, I start acting like the world 
Over the years, I've seen people lose perspective. I, I, you know, as a pastor and been doing this for many years, if I hadn't seen people in church, so a lot of times when I walk up to people and hadn't seen them in a long time and say hello to them, they immediately start explaining why I haven't seen them in church. And a lot of times people say, man, I haven't seen you in a while. Well, I'm really angry at this person or this family offended me. I think that, Pastor, I think that you should be more political and you should take this stand. Or, Pastor, I think you should be less political or you should do this or I don't agree with what you guys wear or I don't agree with, with, with the way they acted or I don't agree with that family. I don't agree with your music. Hey, I just don't like your preaching. Whatever it is, if we're not, if we're not careful, we lose perspective of what this is all about, about making disciples. We major on the minors and lose perspective of why we gather. And here's the deal. People who are called to change the world, who start out being world changers, they can lose perspective when the gospel is not preached or if they refuse the gospel. It's one thing to not hear the gospel. That's on me. It's another thing to refuse the convicting power of the gospel. That's on you. All right? There's two reasons. In the Old Testament, there's an ancient prophet he predicts that in the last days, he says, in the last days, there's a, a day coming that in the last days, there will be a famine. But that famine will not be a food and water. He says that famine will be for the hearing of the word of God. Think about that for a second. There's going to be a famine where people will reject and refuse to hear the word of God. And this is why James was this pastor and didn't hold back of speaking the truth when it came to uh, when it came to speaking the truth, it was, it was a little bit unpopular. I believe that we're living in those days. The Apostle Paul spoke about this in the New Testament. He's saying this, when it comes to the, the, the last days, he, he spoke to his, his uh, spiritual son, or he writes this letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4, to listen to what he says and how strong and powerful this is today. He says, preach the word of God, and be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Whether it's convenient or not, Timothy, preach the word. Whether it's popular or unpopular, preach the word. Whether, whether people stand with you, doesn't matter how large your church is or whatever, preach the word. Listen to this. Patiently correct, rebuke, encourage your people with good teaching or instructions. For a time is coming... When people will no longer listen to sound doctrine or wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. I believe that we're living in these days. Where people reject what is true because it wars against, it's not convenient, it does, it's, not, it, it's not what I want to hear. People reject the truth and follow the teachers. He says this. He says people reject the truth, therefore people depart from the truth because they just don't get it. And I want to tell you this. I wouldn't attend a church that didn't occasionally preach on sin and the judgment of Christ. And I don't care if you go here. Maybe you're here for the first time and we got this thing going on with the kids. We probably need to make more room. We got a bunch of kids today. Let me just preach to these kids for a second. No, because I, I, wherever you go, maybe you're here visiting, I would not go to a church that did not at some point preach on sin. Because here's why. Because at some point, 
I need, to, I need for you to address my sin nature. I need to know the areas. I need for the word of God to shine a light on areas that I'm beginning to act like the world or, or be, becoming a friend of the world or drifting away or straying away a little bit. And every now and then I need somebody to preach, hey, listen, I don't just need you to preach on stress or what the angels mean or, you know, being a better neighbor or having a better marriage. As a disciple of Christ who needs spiritual growth, at some point I need you to speak to my sin nature that the, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit will call out my selfish ambition. Paul tells Timothy, he says, the four aspects that he says, correct with the word of God, rebuke, encourage, and instruct. We are not perfect. Our church isn't perfect. But I believe that we are committed to preaching the gospel. And as long as I'm pastor here, you're going to hear the whole gospel. It doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter if people leave, it doesn't matter. We're not the largest church. We're not the most popular church. But I can tell you right now, I don't care. We will preach the gospel because it's what brings life. It's kind of like this. It's like going to see the doctor. And you actually have, you got a year left. And the doctor comes in and says, I got some good news and I got some bad news. The good news is you're making it today. You look great. You I mean, you look great. Everything is going well. And, and everything's going great in your life. For the next couple weeks, for the next few months, life's going straight up for you. Well, Doc, what's the bad news? Well, we don't like to focus on that around here at the Happy Medical Clinic. We don't, we don't like to focus on that. Don't you worry about the bad news. You know what? I want him to tell me the ugly part of what's going on in my life so I can change and do something different so I can live. Right? I don't just want to be encouraged all the time. I need to know when I need to change. And so do you. Amen? So people have issues because we are human. I want to challenge you. Receive what God wants to say to you today. Be all right with being confronted. Be comfortable with being convicted because that brings the change that is needed. I believe that's what James was doing, and that's what I believe that he has called us to do as a church. Amen? Amen. So, Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and thank you for speaking to us. And I ask, Lord, that, that you will minister in this house in any way that you see fit. As your heads are bowed, I want to ask you something before we pray for our kids. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and he's not Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to pray with you. In fact, I'm going to say a prayer out loud. And if that's you, you can give your life to Christ. If you're watching us online and God is dealing with you right now about your walk, dealing with you right now to come home, I want you to consider that in this moment. Maybe God is convicting you about your lifestyle. He's convicting you. What that is, is that's the Holy Spirit drawing you. So as we pray, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hand. I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm just going to pray. And if that's you, you need to come home. You need to give your life to Christ. Maybe you're here and you need to, you need to rededicate your life, whatever that looks like. I'm going to ask the band to come up. You guys will come up. If, you've, if you're feeling that, that God is dealing with you right now, I want to pray with you. I want the entire church just to pray. Uh, repeat this prayer after me. And if that's you, you need to give your life to Christ right now. You need to rededicate your life. Just say this prayer with me and come home. Let's all say this together. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm before you today. And I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you 
to be Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you to take my life and use it for your cause. Forgive me for every sin. Wash me clean and whole by your grace. From this moment on, my life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Guys, can we just celebrate those that have given their life to Christ? All right, we're going to switch things around right now. Let me say this. If you gave your life to Christ, we didn't have anybody raise their hand or walk in the aisle. Will you let us know some way? You can fill out a card. You can meet us back at uh, Faithco Info. Just let us know how God worked in your life today. We want to know. We want to know more about your story. So what I want to do right now is we want to pray over our kids. We want to pray over our administration. So here's, here's what I want to do. Can we just bring the kids up around the front, just on both sides? If you are, this, these are the grade school kids. If you are a, a high school student or middle school, can you come on up with them, please? We want all students, high school, middle school, everybody come on. You're not up here alone. There's, there's 65 of you. So, we want to pray over you. We want to bless you. I'm going to ask you guys to stand, if you will. Do we have any teachers in the house? Do we have any teachers? Would you guys would you guys mind coming up here and standing with the students? We want to pray for you too. What about school administration? What about coaches? What about principals? Anybody like that here? Y'all come up here too. Anybody else who just feels like they want to be up here? No. <laughs> we just we just pray for everybody. Everybody get in prayer. What about college students? We have any college students in the house? On your way to college, can we pray? Come on up here. Yeah, come on up. Come on up. You made it. We were wondering. Am I missing anybody? All right. So here's what we want to do. We want to first pray for the kids. We want to pray for the administration. And uh, we pray, and let's see, and the teachers, okay? So... Will you do me a favor? Will you extend your hand as just like a spiritual point of contact and help me pray for all the kids? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to have children in the house. I thank you for every young student. It is a blessing that, that they get their education. Lord, the first thing I pray for is I pray for their protection. Lord, we live in a very evil world these days. I first pray for their protection. Watch over them every single day. Let no harm come to them. Let no harm come to, to any school in Pottawatomie County. I pray, Lord, that you will first protect our schools and protect our students in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray, Father, for every student that you will open up their minds. Lord, I pray that they act like good citizens. I pray that they act right in class. And I pray, Father, that they grow and their minds grow and develop and they get the education that is needed, Lord. Help them to open up their minds and learn, Lord, this year. And I pray, Father, that they, they, will, be, they will make friends. Lord, that they will have a good experience at school. Lord, that they won't experience any kind of violence or bullying or anything like that, Lord. But you will, you will bless them, Lord. We bless them today, Father. Every single student, every single grade school, every, every one of them that is just starting out. Every single middle school student, Lord, we bless them and ask for your protection. Every single high school student, Lord, we bless them, ask for their protection. 
Lord, for every college student, we bless them and ask for your protection. I ask, God, that you will do this in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we pray for the teachers. Father, teaching is a calling. And we thank you, Lord, for those teachers that, that, have, that have given their lives to the call of teaching. I ask, Lord, that you will give them patience. I ask, Lord, it's not easy to be a teacher today. Give them patience, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you will give them wisdom. So, Lord, they will impart their wisdom and their knowledge to the next generation, Lord. Lord, I, I pray, Father, that they, un, that they begin to understand. If they don't, Lord, they, they walk in their calling and they understand the influence that they have on the next generation and how important it is, Lord. It is vital. Lord, for principals and administration, for bus drivers, for every part of the school, I ask, Lord, that you will protect and you will give us a good year, Lord. We bless the, every student, all the administration and the teachers. We bless them. We ask for your favor this year in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Let's give them a hand as they return to their seats.